Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Dev Slavin. I'm Brandon Bowlby. I'm Mike Rossi. And I'm Rafa Nuff. And as you heard, we've got three fantastic people on the show to continue our discussion on community building. And uh, before we get there, though, obviously, Dev... This is the first time you've been on the show, so give us a little introduction on who you are and kind of give us a flavor of your gamer origin story. Okay, uh, Devin Slavin, I am from Muncie, Indiana. I am a Pathfinder now for Mantic Games. My origin story, so I actually started out with Blood Bowl from uh, Games Workshop back in about 2016. I think it was when the revamp came. Had a buddy get me into it. Before that, I had played like Hero Clicks when I was in teenagers back in uh, middle school in the 2000s. From there, I uh, did more Games Workshop stuff, helped out the community stuff with that, built up a nice little Warhammer group, and then COVID hit, and everything died. Wow. <laughs> Brutal. Surprise. Shocker. Right? I know, right? And then uh, you start, we friend and I, actually a couple friends and I, started loving the game, found out how beautiful it was, and then here comes Firefight, a brand new sci-fi game that doesn't cost me an arm and a leg, and the rules are phenomenal. <gasps> I, I want to play this. Oh man, this is great. I want to spread the word about this. And Hey, here I am. I'm Pathfinder and that's my origin story. I love it. That's awesome. So Dev, you are what we call a, an engaged player, right? We just did a whole episode on it and you are the hyper competitive, like the hyper engaged, you, you know, hyper engaged for sure. Well, Brandon, welcome back. It's been a while. How did the uh, event go up there in Edmonton? It ended up going relatively well. Um, unfortunately we had one, only one guy actually coming from out of town and then he ended up canceling about two days beforehand because they were exposed to somebody who tested positive for COVID. So, but we managed to get eight guys plus myself. So, I mean, it was still, uh, it was still a good event. We had a good time. Everybody liked the trophies and I'm certainly going to run it next year. And we're looking at running another one in, um, in the spring, probably late April. And it'll be more of just a standard straight 2300 point kind of thing without anything particularly fancy just to just to get uh, get a little bit more of a scene going trying. I love the fact you guys had a ton of snow. That was awesome. But I guess you always have a ton of snow, right? Because it's first weekend of November, right? You're going to have snow in Edmonton. Yeah. And it was the roads were pretty garbage, actually. It, it snowed a lot and it was very cold unfortunately, but we all got to sit inside. We actually uh, hosted it in the one of the Royal Canadian Legions. So we had uh, a bar there and we had food and it was awesome to have beer on tap. That's one of the things I've missed the most about playing in stores is not having that beer in hand. So, Well, let's throw it over to Mike. How you been, buddy? Uh, doing good. Things are good. I have... Uh, I'm midlife crisis guy this week. So I... I uh, I sat down to paint the other day and I, as part of my midlife crisis six years ago, I had laser surgery on my eyes. I used to have really bad eyes. And then when I walked out of there, it was 2020, 2015, super awesome. They were like, hey, by the way, your eyes are going to get older and eventually you're going to have to get. So you were nearsighted and soon you're going to be farsighted. I was like, dude, that's the future. So far away. 
here he's I am. just here <laughs> dude so i <laughs> so i i crack out some minis i'm like i'm gonna do a little bit of painting i can't hold the mini close to my eyes to do the detail work anymore you gotta, you're gonna have to my get some 3.5 magnification readers bro that's right? what i'm rocking these days oh it's the worst so i went to the, i went to cvs and i was like you know i'm taking them off the rack and putting them on i'm like what size cheaters do i need it was the worst well you know what the problem though is they they don't even make like i think they max out a 2.5 at like a, a normal store right so i'm like that's not enough i need to get in the de- i gotta see these eyes on this halfling model right i need some zoom baby i need to get up and personal with these with these models it's not the best besides that just get ready for for dead of winter which you sold out it's amazing sold out in two weeks boom done so yeah who knew that happy. albany would be such a hot ticket it, a hot ticket in January. In January, right? I th- I think I I'm perfectly placed in a in a time when there's nothing happening, and so people are like willing to to brave the freeze. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's cool. Like I just put in the final, uh, you know, so the 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 rules for uh, terrain placement, pack. couple okay, other yeah. things. Yeah, I mean the player packs out, but I'm looking at like uh, messing around with some of the scenarios a little bit. What what are you from Texas now? Ah, it's not going to be crazy. I mean, it's you know, yeah. Real, real, real small changes to stuff. But well, why don't you start us off with the hobby updates? You said you're painting. What are you working on? So I was putting together some. I think I mentioned last time I was on. I put together some STLs, or I had STLs made for me for uh, some forest shamblers and some earth elementals, and trying to put some forest shamblers, trying to paint those up. They're super cool. I mean, they're gorgeous minis, and I still have the ability to paint. Right. I mean, I I used to be able to paint on reflex quite quite well. Big problem I have is, is like I said, getting close enough. I'm able to, you know, you put down the base, you get that good. You put down the wash, you go back to pick out details, and I cannot see enough to get the detail stuff right. So I'm kind of like at a standstill. But the idea is to get a unit, a unit of forest shamblers done, and to get an earth elemental done uh, before dead of winter. Um, for no reason that I just want to have something done, you know. Yeah, and for those listening, if you haven't seen it, uh, there's been an update on the Kings of War role playing game. Mantic found a way to make the, the materials from that failed Kickstarter available. Really? What's in there are a bunch of STL files. So there is a salamander. There is a halfling wizard. There is a stone priest. And they, for the for better or worse, I, I think they kind of do a pretty good job of matching the, the current range of models. So if you know someone that's back that Kickstarter, reach out to them and make sure that uh, you get your hands on those sweet, sweet STL files. That's awesome. There's other stuff too, rules and uh, background and stuff, but SCL models are something I could use today. Yeah, seriously. So how about you, Dev? What are you been painting? I actually finished up a friend's ogre's army today. Oh, I didn't know you were a commission painter. Uh, well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I paint, well, we're talking about community. I paint a lot for the community, help people out and, you know, sometimes charge, sometimes help them out when, you know, times need. But other than that, uh, doing Night Stalkers. And then I have pile of shame or a mountain of shame of a firefight that i'm trying to shoot through i may or may not have every faction with extras and wow do you have a target in mind like i want to have this this army built by adepticon or my goal is to get through that whole pile by the next year if that's possible (laughs) that seems like a big tall order uh uh, there's gonna be a lot of long painting nights in my my future other than that outside of mantic doing a uh, shadow collective for star wars legion yeah, I'm a big. I'm a, I, I love Legion as well. Get that to get that Star Wars pew pew in. It's always awesome. Saw those models. And I went, oh, that's my favorite storyline from Clone Wars. I, I I have to paint these. So, mm-hmm. 
So that's all I've been up to. Awesome. How about you, Brandon? You've been painting anything good? Well, now that I actually have time to do hobby stuff and painting, I haven't been. It's been wonderful because uh, that's what you do is you're like, oh, I can't wait to have time to do this. And then when the time actually comes, you don't. But that being said, I have been trying to get some ambush-sized armies together, and I've been trying to get them all primed up. And when I and and trying to sit down and work on things, I do have a uh, phoenix and fire elementals that I'm painting up for a buddy for a salamander army. I'm going to keep them, but he can just borrow them. I just had the models sitting around. I've also got some uh, American Civil War 15 millimeter American Civil War stuff that I've been trying to, to get going. What range is that? Uh, no, it's actually the plastic stuff from uh, who makes from plastic? Warlord. Warlord, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so the epic the epic stuff, yeah. Yeah, the little 15 mil guys. They're really nice. Um, I, I traded a bunch of old Flames of War stuff to a guy for it, and I was like, sweet, this is something I've kind of been interested in getting into, so I'm finally now. Most recent episode of the D6 Generation, Craig on the show talks about acquiring a bunch of those, and he's been talking about building them. Right. What rule set are you using? Well, I haven't actually had a chance to play yet. Um, there's a there's actually a really good YouTube channel called Little Wars TV. Okay. And they have released their own uh, rule set. It's called uh, Altar of Freedom. And it's like, they actually use 6 mil, but you can use 15 mil or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Base size is what matters. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Like kings, yeah. Now, Mike is a big historical guy. I should have said that in the, in the, in the intro, right? Would we do like American War of Independence as well, Mike? Yeah, I do. I do uh, everything from... from uh, from War of Independence through Napoleonics up to Civil War. Fancy, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't own any minis, but when I, you know, I go to conventions, that's the first thing I do. Is I'll, <laughs> I, that's all I do is sign up for historical stuff. So, well, for me, I've got salamanders. I'm not going to bore everybody. They hear it on every episode. That's all I'm doing is paying 2,300 points in three months for Adepticon. So, uh, we're rocking and rolling on that. Has anybody got any announcements? Any any big events coming up that they, they want to share? Obviously, Dead of Winter. If you wanted to go, you're too late. Yeah, sadness. I have a, I have a waiting list that has five people on it. What I, what I do want to know is if you were interested in going, because I have to start thinking about the event space for next year. And so if you were interested in coming, let me know, and then I'll make sure that there's enough room for everybody that wanted to come this year, next year. Right. But it's, I was super impressed with, and very surprised at the, at the response this time around. I had 24 last year and I sold out 32 in, like I said, less than two weeks. It was gross. That's awesome. Gro- grossly awesome. But yeah. Anyway, Dev or Brandon, you guys got anything you want to shout out? So with the uh, announcement of Indie Storm being canceled here soon, I was supposed to help out with the Firefight Dead Zone tournament stuff. Uh, Mike Carter is working for the uh, Hoosier Storm, I think it's called. That's now, what they're right? calling it. Yeah, the replacement yep. event. So we're looking into p- potentially having a replacement event for Firefight Dead Zone as well. Nothing in the works officially yet, but hopefully here soon. Hopefully we'll get around that same weekend. If not, one idea was to maybe work with Mike and see if we can, you know, piggyback some space off him you know <laughs> well all those michigan boys better come down and with all their firefight stuff then they better i've heard good things about them I, i'm wanting to see them i'm going up there this week to, to go hang out and play friday's gonna be all big game day at evolution games in lansing so super pumped about that yeah well with that let's take a quick commercial break on the other side we'll get into the main topic building your local community we'll be right back Are you looking for your favorite tabletop games from Wizards of the Coast, Mantic, Warlord, Fantasy Flight, and more? Then check out War Room Hobbies located in Memphis, Tennessee. We carry all the best titles to suit your gaming needs, including Magic the Gathering, Historical, Sci-Fi, and Fantasy Games. Our full line of Games Workshop products, generous gaming area, and competitive prices will make us your favorite place to go to war. Join us at the War Room. For more information, check us out at warroomhobbies.com. Welcome back to Counter Charge. 
Now it's time for our main topic. This is the second part. Uh, you're probably tired of hearing me and Mike sp- speak, but that's why we got Brandon and Devon to to maybe pick up the load here. But this is the second part of our com- in our community series. First episode you know, was Trent, Mike, and myself, and we chatted all about you know how do as a player what what can you do to be engaged, uh, and because at the at the core of this it starts with the engaged player. And the second piece is once you have a base of engaged players, you build a community around them. In terms of where we should start, you know, maybe let's start with the question: you know, why, why do you want to build a local community? Who wants to take that question? For me, it's all selfish reasons. I just want to have more people to play. Yes. Also, that exact reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also nice because the bigger the, I am a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to say gatekeepy. Let's 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 not put it that way. But I'm definitely very selective with who I enjoy playing games with in my limited time. So I'm not just throwing it out there for anybody. I will definitely run a right. demo game for anybody that I that wants to, and I'll encourage people to try it out. But that being said, I do tend to talk to guys that express interest and uh, that you know are, are easy to talk to. So it's probably not the best way to start this conversation. Just Throw it out there for everybody. Whoever shows that guy. I always joke around, you know, someone has to be the cat herder. You know, you, you have all these people that want to play these games and they get distracted by doing things. And you have to have a centralized person to pull these people in. Yeah, Hey, let, let's do this. Let's have an event. Let's, you know, have a game day. And, and that, that's really how it, it starts is like you get more people in the store, get them engaged and, then, and you turn heads. You, you bring people from other systems or even new people looking for games. That's totally true. I, I actually, buddy, Brendan, I'm, I totally resonate with what you were saying. It, it's off. I do not want to leave my house just to play some angry 40 K rando. You know what I mean? Like I want to go out and like hang out with people that I find interesting or at the very least they're going to be polite. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, the, the, but that, that, when it comes to building a community, you're almost setting, if you're the front runner for doing that, right. You're almost setting the standard. So you are gatekeeping a little bit being like, listen, you gotta be kind of, you gotta be this cool to ride this ride. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those things where if you are going to build a community, you don't want to settle for a person who's going to be argumentative and kind of a pain in a rump. You're a role model. Exactly. And I think you guys hit on its head that, you know, it is a way to give back to like, people that are helping you in this endeavor like the stores right right local players are looking for an opportunity for another game to play but nothing wrong with being selfish you know this is a altruistic and selfish thing at the same time right right like selfishly now i got a bunch of cool people to play with it makes it easier for me to find opponents if i have a local community or if we have a set time at the store that i know i can show up and get a game in right and you know at the end of the day it's really about hanging out with your friends and playing fun games right you know, I think. So, Dev, you you said in, in your intro that you, you got involved, you got a crowd, COVID hit, and then, you know, two steps forward, five steps back, and you start all over again, right? But what is that like when you first start pulling people in? What was – besides, besides like, I think this game is cool, I need some buddies to play this with, what were your thought process and what did you go through in order to build – to get things started on your end? Really, it was just – we have a local wargaming group. We call it Muncie Wargaming. It's just a hodgepodge of all different games and there's – I'm pretty sure the guys get annoyed with me because I'm posting like two or three times a week. Hey, you know, hey, we're playing this game. Hey, look at this cool thing. You know, just trying to create excitement for the game and just by showing up to the store saying, hey, I'm going to be there. You you might bring somebody new in. You might, you know, bring, you know, old timers in. You, you, you just don't know. You don't know. There's been plenty of times, especially back in my 40K days. Hey, we're going to come play 40K today. And I'd sit there for an hour or two and okay, no one's here. I'm going home. So you, you just oh. have to create, the, you have to create the opportunities for people to be there. Right. And to have the interest. 
Well, let's talk about, you know, if you're starting a community, you've got to have the germ or the seed to start that community. And as I mentioned in the opening, you know, you know, I think the best thing you could have is a bunch of engaged players, players that are active. They like the game. They're playing. They've got armies. They're also willing to maybe help, right? Help with some of the building, community building, because it's not a one man endeavor, right? If, if it is, you're going to burn out pretty quick. Yeah. Not if you want it to be sustainable. Yeah. Question for you guys. How do you go about finding these players, the players that can be the, the nucleus of that community? I always offer uh, demos up regardless. So we have a weekly Kings of, we- Kings of War game night every Tuesday night. And I'm always posting in that said war game group mentioned earlier. Hey, I have extra armies. If you guys want to try this game, come do this. You know, any game I've hopped into and tried to lead the charge with, I always have extras for these people to come in. You know, it's a it, it's somewhat a financial burden out of my own pocket. But, you know, hey, if you're going to bring these people in, you got to give them toys to play with because they might not want to spend the money on it. Right. If you're like any other war game where once you build your first army, you're going to build a second and then you have two. So it isn't really that much. You know, these are minis you were going to do anyway. Right. Obsessive compulsive, right? A little bit. We're, we're, yeah, we're just like, yeah, right. more, more, more. So, Brandon, how about on your end? Sorry, my brain is is working real good right now, clearly. So, Well, you're Canadian, so it's in Canadian dollars. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think certainly that being out there, being visible for sure is a big deal. The I was lucky, though, that I've played a lot of games in the past, right? I played Warhammer Fantasy. I played Flames of War. So a lot of the people that I have as my core nucleus already played with me in the past, and it was one of those things where I picked up the rules at a bunch of old Warhammer models that I wasn't using. And so I played a couple of games with a buddy and I really, really enjoyed it. And then I just slowly introduced it to those guys that I already had played with. That being said, I have managed to find other people to play the game strictly by going out and playing games in public and by running events and doing like beginner days and things like that, where you build up that actually ambush is one of the best things that they probably could have done for Kings of war, because it's 100% great agree with that. to, to yeah, have, you, you don't need it. I mean, you can, you can handicap yourself or you can make it so that the rules are good for small size games, but it's nice to have a concrete set that everybody can come together and say, we're all going to use this this set of rules and we're all going to play games at this small point size. We don't have to have huge armies. It's faster to get them painted. It's a lot less daunting to, to assemble and model and get them onto the table. And the games play much faster. So it's been really helpful to, to run some smaller scale games saying, come out and try this game. It's really good. And then we've had uh, definitely some community engagement with, with those kind of things. That's awesome. Something you said just resonated. I mean, we're all gamers. We've been gamers for a long time. There are people you used to play other games with, <laughs> you, you know, and it's a, it's not that big of, you know, there's, it's a Venn diagram, right? Like we're just, just go to the middle there and you'll find some people that, you know, maybe they played Warhammer, maybe they played Flames of War, but they're going to be, you know, maybe they're going to enjoy Kings of War or Firefight or something else. A couple of other things I'm curious, though, is the two other things I think you need to have in terms of the seed of a community is you do need to have place to play. So, Dev, you're you're playing in a store. Is that right? I'm playing in a store. Yes. How did that go? How did that conversation go with the with the store owner? Because, you know, you know, I have a store owner that's very supportive down here and it's great. But I can imagine if if you're you're asking them to, hey, we want to build a community of this game that you don't stock. Right. Or 
it's a new game and maybe there's they haven't visibly seen a lot of player i mean what what's the process like to get them on board originally it was hey we just showed up and just started playing games (laughs) 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 pirates right yeah i mean it was open it was open table space and then quiet little game room and so we're like hey we're gonna we're gonna come in and play and you know and turn some heads from some people and you know people were asking the store owner hey could you get this for me and he tried to through like a third party it's hard yeah eventually i got a hold of uh kyle kyle uh, puzzlinski mm-hmm. yep and uh he got a hold of the store owner and now we have a direct contact to order everything and so our store owner doesn't stock a whole lot you know the starter sets you know the strike forces for firefight um but anything special he orders and usually gets in within a week which is it's amazing um it, it helps a lot and just getting that just a little bit of visibility in the store with the product because like when firefight launched uh like our store owner sold out twice wow yeah yeah he he, he bought a starter army of every every faction and two starters and sold out twice within two weeks so, and, and i'm gonna guess when you're in the store you're spending money right you're spending money yeah it's, yeah you may not be on keys of war but it's on something you yeah, know listen i i know when i walk in the store i'm I'm, I'm there to game, but somehow I'm going to walk out with something. It, it, it's just bound to happen. Like, <laughs> and, and that, that, that it helps out a lot when you're like, there's sometimes like our game days would conflict with other game days, you know? So star Lord's Legion might happen in the same firefight, but you have some of these guys looking over, Hey, what's that? That's, are those orcs? Oh, that, that, that's pretty cool. And then you should, you know, that that's when you plant the seed and, you know, show them what to do. There's an advantage to having overlap with the same genre, right? Because yes, you, can, you can get some cross pollination. Brandon, though, you're in you're in Edmonton, obviously. Do, are you guys playing out of a store, or you, you got a different path for this? Yeah, so we tend to play out of a store called Industrial Park Games, and they've been very, very good with us because they have eight tables, and they basically let us have the free reign of the store. They have done the same same thing as with Dev, where they'll order in like the starter boxes and a couple of the rule books and that kind of stuff uh, to have on the shelf. They have like Dead Zone and Firefight and uh, the couple of the King's War boxes. But anytime that we want to order anything, they'll do their best to get it in and they'll try and do it as quickly as possible. And the nice thing is as well is that it's much cheaper than actually ordering the stuff straight from Mantic. They give us like 10, 15, 20% off, I think. And... Like they basically charge us the American price in Canadian dollars for um, well, that's great. The stuff, which is which has been really really helpful, and there's been lots of guys that have ordered things in. Unfortunately, everybody loves the new halfling, so I think we have like three or four halfling armies. Right <laughs> so, that's they're not in Rotary, they're in Edmonton. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, that's been really really helpful, and uh, they've been great at supporting us for tournaments. They don't charge us for space or anything like that. And we've also tried really hard to make sure that we order as much as we can through them. And I always encourage people, I say, look, you don't have to pay shipping because now the Mantic, Mantic used to be like 80 bucks and you got free shipping. Now it's like 250 bucks or something like that to get free shipping. For the US. So I've encouraged guys as much as possible if they're going to order Mantic stuff to definitely go through the store. And I think that, uh, I think that we've got a reasonable amount of people that are kind of just buying stuff that might not even be playing with us i actually think it's a lot easier to build a community when you have a central game store to play out of right because i mean the 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 game store is a place that's neutral it's a neutral field for everybody to hang out at right and it's a lot it's a lot different than being like yeah you're new and completely unknown you want to come to my house and roll some dice (laughs) right and i'll make sure my kids aren't home it's like it's awkward right so it's it's a lot easier to, to build a community when you have that neutral ground 
Especially when in the that, story is In that supported. case, I usually offer beer, you know? You know, hey. Well, yes, <laughs> right? Like, please, that goes without saying. Yeah, but it's always in a glass, right? And sometimes there's something at the bottom that's fizzing, isn't it, Diff? Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, the store is a big deal. And that was one of the things with uh, COVID. Because let's be honest, the guys that tend to play Kings of War were all either old men, for the 99% of us. Yeah, buddy, yes. Or we're yes. getting our kids in. Right. So it's that's kind of that's kind of the thing. Right. There's not a lot of young people. So which has been tricky, but that's why it's really important to have that space where you're out in public, because really, that's kind of how you get a lot of uh, people or their friends that play games with other guys in your group. And they like, hey, come try this game out. Right. But that's kind of the way that I've found to, to get the scene to grow. But I'm not particularly original or creative in this respect. I just tend to stick with what I like to do. Well, you'll find like-minded people that way, right? Yeah, and that exactly. means you'll probably you'll probably uh, it'll probably be a good fit. So, if you're building a community, though, another thing you've got to have is you got to have help, right? You cannot build the scene by yourself. So, how do you go around? I mean, I know uh, Brandon's got a sidekick, right? He's got a sidekick. Dev, do you have some assistance for building this computer? Are, are you all on your own? I have a sidekick that helps me out, uh, Ben. He really he's a we, we entice each other into whatever game we're looking at and it's usually hey look i got this two-player starter and here you can have this half and the, that's how you know the plastic crack addiction starts you know <laughs> best part is when both of you buy one and then you have twice as much of that one <laughs> i get doubles of the ogres and you get doubles of the empire of dust yep fantastic everybody wins and we both have a rule book you know, we talked about why you'd build it, how you find the seeds to grow the community from. Let's talk about how you actually go about building it. You know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, if you fail the plan, you plan to fail, right? You got to have a plan. Even if it's just a, on the back of a note or in your brain, you, you got to think it through. You know, and I think the, the first thing is that I'm a big, a big believer in is you got you to gotta define your expectations going in, you know. I have tried the Omni Gamer approach, like, oh, we're going to build a club and it's, we're going to play all kinds of games. That's really hard to do because everybody's scattershot and usually everybody ends up in more game specific groups. <laughs> so the 40K guys end up with the 40K guys, Kings of War guys, and Kings of War guys. For my you know, experience with Kings of War, you do got to have a laser focus and really look at pick one thing and be successful in one thing. You know, you know uh, it's just a business, a business thing too, right? Avoid the scope creep. That's going to be the killer, right? If you focus on nothing, you're not going to be successful at anything. What do you guys think about that thing about honing in what you're trying to achieve? So I think you hit the nail on the head with the um, the scope creep. That's something I've experienced a lot myself. So generally, I've always tried to help out our local store uh, with whatever game people are wanting to get into, wanting to play. I might not be into it, but, you know, hey, I'm the one pushing this, helping them out. You know, we, we had a small bolt action group. And, you know, we were meeting once a month, hey, for four or five hours, let's get some games in. And eventually game town to where I was the only one playing this game. <laughs> and then I start wow. pushing all these other. Yeah. And I start pushing these other games are like, well, you're game hopping. You're doing all this stuff. I'm like, I'm just trying to do what other people are wanting to play. And if they're going to show up and play, we're going to do this. And it eventually got to the point where, hey, I'm going to play what I want to play. And that's why I've been strictly firefight, strictly Kings of War, outside of Mantic Battletech. And, you know, I just kind of, you know, these are the games I want to play. This is what I'm going to push. And, and you know, I'm, the, as you mentioned earlier, the engaged player, you know, that that's, you know, again, my group might get annoyed with me, the wargaming group. But, hey, 
someone's got to do it, you know, and you don't see that with much in a lot of groups, honestly. Dev, did you see when you, when you started, I'm going to use the term specializing here, but when you went, when you went in that direction and said, I'm going to push the stuff I want to play. Did you see a shift in the number of people that were showing up to play with you? Did you see a shift in the, in the local scene when you started doing that? We have a core group that kind of, that kind of shifts a little bit. We saw like that helped out a lot with me with firefights and Kings of war, but we are seeing new players from other systems that are going, Hey, these guys are having a lot of fun with this. It might be worth the investment. And like the big pitch with Kings of war is, Hey, it's use any mini system. Like Mantic has yeah. models. We're going to push. I, I might tell you, Hey, they have models out there, but if you don't want to do that investment and just want to buy the rule book. And even though you don't have to do that now, you have an app. So, you know, br- bring models over. We, we want you to play their game. Yeah, we had one guy wanted, wanted to bring Legion models over to Kings of War, do kingdom uh, Kingdoms of Men out of time. <laughs> okay. You know, it, right. it, it, it was in, we have one guy that uh, plays with uh, his kids' old toys. You know, he has a Land of Misfit Toys army. <laughs> so it, it's just getting people in and engaged. And again, just as I've mentioned several times, turning heads. That matters, man. When I... When you're at it, when you're at a game store and you're and you are the group that is having fun, there's nobody arguing, and you can roll over and everyone's kind of like the 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 energy is high, everybody's enjoying the game they're playing. It it does turn heads. It does bring you know what game what game is this? I want in on this, right? It, it matters. I think the next thing I, I want to kind of have you guys discuss is your success is not defined by how many people are in your gaming group. I get frustrated a lot by people that say things like, "We only had four people in our tournament." That's four people. That's better than zero, right? I mean, our very first two-day GT for Kings of War in the Southeast had eight players. You play with the people that, that that you got, and you know you don't worry about it. You know, it's 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 not quantity, right? It's it's quality. It's back to what Brandon said. You you want the right player. You want the cool players, the people that are engaged, that are fun to hang out with. The right balance between competitive and narrative. Maybe give us a sense, Dev and Brandon. You know, you know, the size of your community and. Where is the the top end of that? Numbers wise, you're mentioning, you know, quality over the quantity, you know, Mm -hmm. it can be discouraging coming from somebody that, you know, who is doing this stuff to see numbers dwindle. So when I saw all this firefight stuff I mentioned earlier, selling out at the local store, you know, we had a potential like 16 people that were going to be in this bi-monthly, like it was uh, two games uh, a month, essentially two weekends. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started out with nine. And by the time the league ended, there was five of us, right? You know, you, you, you see- that's normal though, right? Yeah, you're gonna lose. That's just a, a slow grow league. I've been been through it all. It's really hard, but you know, you definitely want to have the right people there that are gonna make the community strong and fun to play with. You know, and, and you mentioned them narrative versus competitive. You know, th- you need to find a good mix of people for that type of stuff. Uh, you know, we we have got we have one gen- guy in our group that he brings it every single time. And, but he's nice. He's nice about it. We all know the expectation and he doesn't, you know, he, he wants to do the best he can when you have, and we have another guy in the community that, Hey, I'm just going to bring the goofiest thing I can <laughs> and just have fun with it. You know, my own head lore. We all have different ways to define fun. Brandon, maybe give us a little sense on your scene as well. I was going to say that this right before you brought it up, I was going to say, I think the biggest thing when you're trying to start a gaming community is that you have to I don't want to say have reasonable expectations because you don't know what a reasonable expectation is, but to certainly like you want to have high goals. You want to be like, this is what I want to do. And I want it to be awesome. I want it to be amazing. But you also have to temper that with reality of it might not 
work out this way. And you can't get down on yourself and you have to say, you know, if this is something that I'm really passionate about, that I'm going to have to do it. And I'm going to hopefully find somebody who is also at least one other person who's as passionate as me, who I can do it with. But manage your expectations in that respect of if you've only got yourself and one other person to start with, that's a start, right? That's how you that's how you do it. That's how you build a community is you start with what you got to work with and you go from there. And you also want to think about like, what is your end goal? Is this going to become a job that's not a lot of fun because now you're managing 25 people and there's one or two that are toxic and you can't, you know, you have to be babysitting them. Like that's, that's not enjoyable either, but it can, it, I mean, it depends on what you want to do. So set for yourself, even just sit down and, and write out like, what do I want to do with this? I know that this sounds very bookish and it's not as exciting as just, you know, playing with your toys. But to if you don't want to burn out, if you want to actually like enjoy yourself, figure out what it is that you want to do and see if you can make it happen. So in terms of like the way the way that you guys started, you both had gaming clubs that you were coming, that you were in, right? And there was there was... A couple people, at the very least, that you were playing with in your in your town, right? Playing something else. Yeah, basically, the guys that I would consider my friends now, right? My close friends were all right. gamers. I don't have a ton of, and whether that's board games or miniature games, I don't have a ton of other people that I hang out with, right? That that I don't tend to play with. Like I've got my family, and we do family stuff, so we have some friends there. But yeah. the guys that I would consider my really close friends are ones that I game with, and. I mean, I've been gaming for 20 plus years. So in that time, I've met a lot of people, but that's kind of how I've found out who I like. And then I go, hey, I like this game. Do you want to play it with me? And I'm usually up for trying any game, but I've now said I've limited myself to these kind of three or four games. And I still have... Um, Wait, th- th- there's a limit? Yeah. I don't have the brain power. I don't have the brain power for a bunch of games. The, no, I, I, who, who, the big thing is the time. Like That's the big one for me. I'd love to play Game of Thrones. I'd love to play Star Wars Legion. I'd love to play... I don't know. Take your pick. But uh, it's... And this is also the thing, going back to the actual community building, is that when you're trying to build your community, desi- decide which game you want to try and build. You can have buddies that want to build other games and that's kind of on them, but you kind of have to pick one, maybe two and go from there. Because if you do that scatter shot, I think it can be very difficult unless you have an already established group who can meet regularly and you'll have individuals in that group who will say, this is kind of my game, but we're all going to work together to to keep our group together playing these various games you mentioned scattershot i mean i think it also comes down to what system you're in how much financially it's going to be to get into these things just just speaking from experience you know i mentioned BattleTech earlier you know how we got people into that was hey everyone has a firefight army right you guys got 20 bucks. Let's just go buy a Lance pack and, you know, let's just play a quick game of Alpha Strike and learn how it goes. And, you know, y- you have to build interest basically off of finance. Like you have to understand the finances of your group as well. Like you don't need to know exactly, but you need to go, 
oh, they're not going to be able to go into, you know, let's say 40K and spend $800 on an army. Right. That'll be, t- it's, a, it's a bridge too far, right? Especially if you want to get, you want to get people in, you want to get them invested. If you're like, the barrier to entry is you have to, you have to buy 700 minis and you got to paint them all and then we can play. That's just brutal. You're not, you're not going to get anybody. It's too much. Be reasonable with your expectations on yourself, but also be reasonable with the expectations on the other people that you're trying to get in and you're trying to appeal to. You got to keep it approachable and accessible, right? You got to make it so that people can actually achieve what you want them to achieve. You know, uh, it's something that's in the realm of possibility. You know, you don't go in and say, oh, we're all going to build 5,000 point armies. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I get discouraged when I'm painting an army sometimes when it feels like I don't feel like I'm making any progress. Can you imagine? I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. Can you imagine a new player, right? Let's just fresh into this is their first war game. And you're like, hey, by the way, you got to paint 300 models or 200 models. They're going to be like, what? No. So you got you got to be able to read the room, you know, and we talked about you got to get that mix between the narrative and the competitive players. You also really understand your expectations, not just for the for your for your for yourself, but what are they trying to get out of it and make sure that the expectations for the group kind of are achievable? Because I, a lot of times you're, you're not even going to get out of the gate if you if you set the goals too high. Mike, 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 you got something you want? I can tell. Part of that is also one of the, we've been talking so far about you go to you know you have a game store to play at. You have a group of people at the game store that are playing games. You're like, I like Kings of War or any other game that you like, and you're essentially recruiting players to play in the game that you're playing, right? which is different, I think, than pulling them out of their basements, right? And so that that in, that in, in and of itself is a dynamic that is different, right? So uh, when we were building our, our community here, um, we did a lot, you know, we're a lot of Warhammer refugees, right? A lot of Warhammer refugees in, in, in our area. We had a thriving gaming community here that was centered around a game store that had a bunch of tables. We had three other game stores in town. It was amazing. All of a sudden, and this is pre-COVID, the game store that we were all going to reduced down to one table just to do like demos and card games. Um, One of the other stores was like, we're out of minis. And third place, just it it turned into a bookstore. There was nothing left. It It was denuded, right? All within the same like six month period. And so essentially from there, we were recruiting people and trying to keep things uh, going from these old Warhammer refugees. Now it's, it's so long in the past that if you want to get new blood, it's a different animal, right? I mean, to your point, Dev, when you're sitting down and going, I want to get a, a we're all going to get a Lance and we're going to play Battletech. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't know, big deal. Right. And it, we're also going to do this other game and you've never, you Star Wars Legion guys, you want to come and stick your stuff on, on uh, 40 by 80 you know, mil bases. Fine. Whatever. Come and play my game. Right. But that's really a different animal than pulling in a Warhammer guy with an old Warhammer army that goes, well, I guess we're playing this now. Right. Have you found when you're doing that, that the, you know, the misfit toy army is an easy one. I mean, in some ways, Mantic has mitigated against one of the major barrier barriers to entry. And that is you got to have a painted force of Mantic minis or get out. Right. So they've done actually an excellent job of pulling people in as far as that goes. What is the biggest thing that you have found that has been a a hindrance to building the community and the Kings of War scene in your area? What's the biggest issue that you're dealing with in terms of barriers to entry? 40K. 40K. Because that's what people play. Uh, uh, 
People are diehard into that universe. Well, and the other thing is, as Rob has said, I, I don't think it's just that it's that people are diehard for it. The models are great. They're very expensive and people know that. The big thing I would argue is, is that these are the games that I've played. I started with 40K, moved to Warhammer Fantasy, Fantasy died. I played Flames of War, right? So there's those are three fairly big games. Then I moved to Drop Zone and Drop Fleet Commander. Nobody plays those games. I've moved to Imperial Assault. Nobody plays that game anymore. Kings of War. How many people play Kings of War? Really, we're a pretty small community, right? Same with yeah. Dead Zone and Firefight. The biggest issue is that I have been finding from, and this is all anecdotal, of course, but that you can go just about anywhere in Canada or the United States, probably in the UK, probably in Europe, and there's somebody there that plays 40K. So it's really yeah. easy. Even if you're not a huge fan of 40K, it's really easy to find somebody to play with. You don't actually have to build a community because there's pretty much somebody always there. And most guys won't step away from 40K, I found, because one, it's expensive to move away from 40K because you've already put a lot of money into it. And two, it's rather inconvenient because, again, you're trying to find players often. Otherwise, you've got a small community. And we did say that a small community is nothing wrong with, but it sure is nice when you have 40 guys in the area and you just put a message out there, hey, I want to play a game on Thursday. It's usually you can find somebody to play. Whereas if you've only got four players, you have to be very particular about your scheduling. 40K is a game of nostalgia and accessibility. So there's a lot of people that have played that game for a long time. They've invested. There's a sunk cost there. They've invested a lot of time and money in that. And they're emotionally attached to that game, right? And so, you know, when you're trying to keep things approachable and accessible to that target group that you're looking to build, you got to understand who's coming to the table. You know, Mike said it, you know, is it a new player versus a veteran player that's got an existing army? Also, what game system they're coming from is important. Because if it's 40K, you know, it's a it's a different animal. And and actually that kind of goes to the next the next point, which is super important, especially if you're trying to convert someone from 40K. I've been around this block a long time. You sell the positives of Kings of War and you just ignore the negatives of their game. They're not gonna hear you. If you're oh that game sucks. No, it doesn't get you anywhere. Just it's a, I mean, that's just a life goal, a, a good thing in life, right? Just be positive on what you're doing. And don't worry about the, the 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 your perceived negative it's my it's the adage i say all the time and people are probably tired of it but there's a game for everybody and everybody for a game dev and i were talking right before this that like hey there's people that like this game and maybe you don't like it you know what i'm happy they found a game that they enjoy and they have friends that play with them i'm also happy that i have friends that that like kings of war and we we enjoy that right because at the end of the day we all have our own definition of fun if you're trying to build that community it is super important that you sell the positives you want you want to turn someone off? Tell them their game sucks, <laughs> right? Like go in there and tell the forty k player, man, your army sucks. The models cost too much money. Some of these things we may believe, right? We're like we don't really appreciate the way they market the game, where it's like a, a, a perpetual churn, almost like magic cards. But there are people that actually enjoy that. Just keep it classy. Stay with the positives. There was one time where I was not positive and it blew up in my face. Sometimes you gotta have the hard lesson, right? That didn't work. Oh, I dump on 40K a lot, but that's only with the people that I that I either I've been playing with a long time or I'm friends with already, right? But I I mean I I agree with you, Rob, in that respect that sell the game, sell sell your group on the positives rather than the negatives of their group, regardless of the fact that, you know, it's a fact that 
it's a genuine fact that Kings of War is just a vastly superior game to Warhammer 40k. That doesn't matter, right? <laughs> you can play with a chess clock, right? That's all you need to know. Right? Yeah. You, you know, you don't have a really long game. Well, and, and I agree with you 100% that uh, the games, they appeal to different people, and that's totally fine, and, and you might not be able to attract those type of people. So you don't attract those type of people. It, it is what it is, right? It's one of those things, again, where it's, you have to be okay with failure and you have to be able to say, you know, where can we go from here? How can we improve? How can we make our stuff more enticing? And sometimes it's not going to make a difference. You're still going to have uh, issues, but you have to be okay with that, that you say, this is, this is the way that, that I'm going to uh, do it. And I'm going to try and be as upbeat and positive about it. Not because uh, you don't want to, you don't want to strong arm somebody to play in your game. That's not enjoyable either. No, and it's not sustainable. No, you want people to be there because they want to be there, exactly. right? And they enjoy the game. Exactly. It sounds like if I was going to rephrase the 40K conundrum, it's that there's already an established community where you're trying to build and they're all doing this other thing, right? And so breaking into that and saying, hey, would you like to try this? And they're like, well, I like round bases and this isn't really a skirmish game. And I don't understand what's happening here. And who uses swords when you can have lasers? Gotcha, right? But if you can get two of them, then maybe you can get three of them, four or five. Like we, I, I have had a tough time getting people to do the jump from skirmish to 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 um, Kings of War. I've had an easier time doing demos. We've done some demos at uh, some gaming conventions where people will come and go, oh, this is very similar to insert historical rule game set here. Right. And at that point, because they can see there's some there's some similarities in the rule structure where they're like, oh, I get it. I understand what I'm looking at here. The idea of units that move and, and can only turn a certain way and there's restrictions. They they People can get their head around that. For trying to build a bridge between a 40K player who's used to, I move in 360, I shoot whenever I want, I do whatever I want, and there's just this huge freedom of motion, uh, of movement on, on, the, on the table. It's harder for them to get their head around. You know, they look at it and they, they don't have that they don't have that brain for that, right? The same way I look at a 40K table and I go, I don't know what's happening. I'll go over here and shoot. Well, one of the things you can do to sell that that example you just had is one of the great things about Kings of War is it's not overly complicated. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It can be played as a as a second game, right? Like it's it can be your side game, right? You can still have 40K as your main hustle, but you want to scratch that ranks and flanks itch. Here's the game that you can do it. And it's not going to break the bank and it's not going to break the brain power. Right, like you can, and it, and it scratches the fantasy itch. Exactly so, right. So because what what else is you know Kings of War really competing with? If you think about it, you, I mean, you have Age of Sigmar, and typically, if you have a forty k player, they're probably not playing Age of Sigmar. You know, it, from my experience, you know, you, their people might have armies of it, but hey, we're we're gonna go pew pew and try to shoot things all the time. That that's what I see in my community, at least. You know, um, and w- with Kings of War again, like, hey bring these models in guys. Oh, you want to play a full point game? Like one, one of my favorite things, uh, one of the guy, the toy army guy, we got him to play a, a full point game of it. He said, wow, I got done in an hour and a half. Right. <laughs> right. He's like, can so we play good. another one? Why, why the ta- while the table next to us was playing 40 K and we finished a second game, a full game and they were still finishing up over there. I was oh. like, <laughs> I just don't have the, I don't have the heart for that anymore. Right. A three hour yeah. game doesn't whatever doesn't do it so it, in terms of i mean we, it, what are the steps i mean brandon you were, you had said listen this is not um you know this is kind of bookish in your approach right in terms of like setting your setting your goals and thinking about what you want to achieve and things like that but it sounds to me like based on what we talked about earlier 
one of the first things that you could do and maybe should do is you have an army and you have another army for someone else to use and you demo the game, right? You demo the game out at a game store where people can see you play the game, right? Is that, have you guys had any luck doing that in terms of actually a structured demo? So what, what is that experience like? Firefight is a prime example. So I had two tables. Actually, I had four different armies uh, and was trying to run two demos at a time, which was a interesting feat in itself. And I was actually, actually I did that at Gen Con as well. So that was, that, it was, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was intense, uh, but people had fun and, you know, we, we had people immediately go, Hey, I'm gonna go buy a box. You know, I saw that at Gen Con, sold those, the demos and just getting people, getting the, the minis in hand, explaining the rules, you know, and you, you know, most of these people, as we've mentioned, are, have our war gamers. When you're bringing them into another system, you just have to give them the 20 minute cliff note of the basic rules and then let them go loose and answer the questions. You know, one of the things you kind of you're kind of circling around there is that we just did a whole episode on, you know, how you can be engaged and invest in the game, you know, as a community leader. That's what you want to do. You want to encourage investment and because ultimately that's going to keep them here. We just talked about an example of they don't want to leave 40 K because they're completely in, right. They're completely invested. They have these, all that money spent, all that time spent. Uh, same thing with Kings of war. It's not specific to Kings of war, but whatever game you're trying to push, you know, whether it's firefight or Vanguard or dead zone, you know, you want people to invest in the game. It, go back and listen to our episode. It's not just about the money. Certainly, you know, we would love you to play with Mantic models, right. And showcase them so that you can, you know, because I still, I still believe that their plastics are some of the best value, you know, out there. I, I do, I do hear the argument, you know, some of the resins are a little bit more expensive than they need to be. You know, I think over time they'll convert what they can from resin to plastic and their, and their plastics are becoming amazing. Exactly. You know, just handling these new, ogre, handling these new ogres. I was just shocked of how beautiful these things are and, and where they've come since I've started the game. You know, we talked about, well, you may have a situation where you have veteran players. Get them to the game, right, with whatever army they want to ride in on. But once they're there, maybe, maybe they don't want to buy Manti Miles. Cool. Does your store sell GW, Conquest, sort of, you know, sort of uh, Song of Ice and Fire? Buy from the store. Like, that's what I do at War Room. Like, if you like, if you don't want to play with Manti Models, somewhere down in the, in the hierarchy, I, I do want you to play with Manti Models. But number one is I want you to play the game. Number two, I want you to support the store, uh, you know, and then somewhere down later is, is Mantic. So at the end of the day, the Mantic models do sell themselves, right? Especially their newer ones, Dev. I mean, you, you mentioned the ogres, but I've been working with the salamanders and I'm working with a lot of the resin stuff. But I tell you what, man, yes, they are pricey, but they are some of the best sculpts money can buy. I mean, the tyrants, the uh, the rhinosaur cavalry. The scorch wings. I mean, they're fantastic, and the big, the big gribblies like the the slasher and the fire drake. They're they're amazing stuff. I think the next thing that we, we probably need to hit on, and we sort of mentioned it a couple times, but you know, if you're trying to build a community, consistency is the king, right? Like you got to be there, you got to be dependable. Because I don't know, but I'm sure Brandon, like if you if if a person knows that every Wednesday you're going to be at that store with that demo army, they number one know when to show up to get to learn the game, but number two. They know once they have an army that there's a specific time because one of the things that your community is going to provide to us is a, a player base, right? But to them, it's the same thing, right? Like, oh, I have a group of ready opponents that are, you know, that I know are going to be at the shop from seven to 10 on Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings from 10. To, I mean, talk to me a little about that. Like what well, you have specific game nights, Dev at, at, at your shop. Yeah. Uh, Atomic games. Uh, we, uh, every Tuesday night is Kings of war. Now, 
we had tried doing like like every like we were trying to do every other Saturday, and we're like we're getting mixed results. And I said, "Hey, let, let's go on a weeknight, weekday night when the store's open. Let's see what happens." And we're getting better results of bringing people in by having that weekly game in. It's helped quite a bit, and having the push from the store, you know, promoting it as well. That's been a big push as well. How about you, Brandon? Same question. Well, that's certainly been one of the biggest issues I think that we have had with Kings of War is that uh, there hasn't really been anybody in our group that has taken taken that up of saying, hey, we're going to meet like once a week or every two weeks or whatever to play. It's been very uh, hit and miss in that respect. And part of the problem is that for six months of the year, I'm totally unavailable. And for the other six months of the year, I'm not in the city of Edmonton. I actually live two hours away. So it's hard wow. for me to get in um, end game as often as I would like. I'm actually, ironically, when I'm working in the summertime, pulling my very long days, I actually have more time because I have to deliver into Edmonton. So then in the e- at the very end of the day, I usually get together with a buddy and try and spend an hour and a half playing a game of Kings. That has been the hardest part, I think, with growing our community and maintaining our community is there has not been. And that's partly because we're all 30 plus year old guys with wives and kids and careers. And like the the other thing is that uh, I don't know what your guys' experience is, but generally guys that miniature game and play like Kings of War specifically, they tend to be some type of professional. So either they're like a teacher or they're. Um, a doctor or they're an engineer or they do something in the trades, right? So they're, so they're generally fairly busy with their lives or they own their own business, um, which is usually <laughs> a successful business. It's not always a big business, but they usually put a lot sure. of time and effort into it, right? So that's been the hardest part that I found. And I was actually going to mention that, that if you're really wanting to do this, that either you need to step up yourself and really put the time in, or you need to make sure that your group is okay with coordinating themselves, or you have somebody in your group who can take that, that aspect, those reins. But again, it's one of those things you kind of have to lay out your expectations on that, that if this is something we want to be successful. Yeah. Maybe you build up to that, right? I mean, maybe it starts, we're going to be once a month or once every other month. Right. Right. And you, you know, and maybe your group is not at us because you bring up an interesting point. You know, obviously I live in Memphis, uh, population of, I don't know, around a million people, right? Like we have players here, uh, Dev, you're in, in, in Muncie. I'm, I don't know how big Muncie is, but you're not far from Fort Wayne. You're not far from Indianapolis. So like, you know, I know Edmonton's a big city, but if you're all two hours or an hour away and it's all spread out, it is harder. And so I think it goes back to what you said earlier, Brandon, you've got to set your expectations. And I think you need to, the next thing you need is, you know, what are your long-term goals, right? And make a plan of how you get to that, right? And if it is, we're going to have a games day once a month, or we're going to have a games day every other month. That's a cool, you can start a community like that. You, you know, uh, because as long as, as, as long as you put that goal out there and you actually get people to show up and, and you show some, uh, success. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about breaking those goals up, right. Into small manageable chunks. If those chunks are every other month or every six months, whatever. And Oh, and by the way, once a year, we're going to have a two day GT, right. People can kind of plan for it. You know, it's, you know, we've said it a couple times, maybe allude, we've kind of alluded to it. It's a patience thing, right? Like, I don't have any patience. And this is, this is hard for me. But Mike knows I have no patience. Right. But it's also not a competition. We're, we're not competing, right? We're, we're just slow, steady, 
sustainable progress. That's what we want. You know, you know, Deb, you said something. It's disheartening when you lose people, right? That's the way the world works. Sometimes it's, it's on the upswing and sometimes it's on the downswing. The trick is you don't look at it on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. We do the same thing with the podcast. We look, did the same exact thing. I don't look at it on a weekly basis because it's just, it's up and down. I look at it over a year or over three years. And as long as, you know, you've got some kind of growth to that, that's, that's certainly all you're looking for, you know? And at the end of the day, you know, Brandon, you may, there may be a cap of how many people in Kings of War in the Edmonton area. There may be a legitimate, you know, like legitimately, like this is the, the maximum amount of people we can, I mean, you know, that that's a possibility too. And so maybe at some point it, it plateaus out, but Deb, what, what are your goals for your community in Muncie? My goal is the same with every game that I bring in, I've ever played. It's to create a welcoming group, regardless of what, who comes in, you know, come in, play games. We're pushing plastic toy soldiers. Right. Most of, m- most of us in our thirties are older, <laughs> you know, you know, we, we, we're there to play games and de-stress, you know, it's a, it's a place to get away from, you know, the real world, you know, families, career, you know, everything, everything that was mentioned earlier, you know, it's again, my goal is just to have people to come in, have fun. And, you know, if we, if we grow, we grow, you know, it's nice to see these numbers go up, you know, um, like our Kings of War group, it, it seems to, we've been in for th- three or four months and, you know, we could, if everybody came in, I was writing down all the names before the podcast, we could fill eight tables if we really wanted to, if everyone came in, you know, but we see two, three and it's, it's, it's amazing to see that. So Mike, we'll talk about, you know, we really get a chance to talk to you a little bit, but talk about your scene. You're in a different, your scene's in a different place. It's not a new scene. It's an old scene. That's, and we've got a show coming up talking about how you kickstart a, maybe I don't want to call it a dying scene, but uh, maybe the one that's stagnating. Yeah. So we, we actually, like I mentioned earlier, we had, we had a bunch of game stores and we didn't. And then uh, one of the game stores in town was able to uh, post COVID open up a game cafe essentially so they you know bought some warehouse space and now they got they got room on room on room on room right so they got 16 board game tables they got all kinds of board games in the spot yeah it's giant it's it's amazing right so that's actually where we're holding the event and so when they when they opened i said well we're going to be in there we're going to do a we're going to do a, a kings of war demo day for you so it was um i had set it up with my club and my my buddy cory uh wallizer and a bunch of other people came and we we ran essentially a giant demo day. Everybody brought their armies and stuff. And we had some people that played Warhammer with us 15 years ago. We had some historical war gamers. We had some guys who play 40K, but we took over the place and we said, okay, we wanna we wanna showcase this game. And then afterwards, a couple months later, we ran Dead of Winter, uh, five months later, the first one. And I had we had a giant turnout for the demo day for the demo day. And then we were able to get some of those people to come for the two day that were local. They showed up, had a fantastic time, fantastic time. They saw what the community was about. They saw how nice people were. They saw how tactical the game is. One of the guys was an old war, uh, a longstanding, very competitive war gamer. He ended up coming with an army that he pulled together from an old Warhammer force. He bought off of somebody else and he came in uh, best general on the, on the weekend, right? Just really had a fantastic time. We, we were able to, from that, parlay that into um, some really good – like right now, I, we, we used to be called our, – our club is called the Shambling Horde because there are – usually we used to go to Warhammer events. There would be like 15 of us at the event, 
and all of us would be choking up the mid tables. Like none of us are very good, right? And we were able to bring those kind of numbers again to Crossroads this year. We brought three teams. It was gross. It was amazing. The key to that, the two things that I found, the first is showcase the game and not just showcase how cool the game is, but showcase how nice and inviting the people are, right? I mean, Brandon, to your point, it's like, listen, you got to be this cool to ride this ride, right? And I'm not saying that we're cool, but we don't argue. Right. We're not a bunch of argumentative like rules lawyers. It's like, come on, just have a good old time. It's going to be the, the game lends itself to fun. Right. So if you're not having fun, what are you doing? The other thing that I found is very important is when you you have to have a presence on social media. I think you need to have a presence on social media that lets not just the people at the store where you hang out at, but just in the wider area. Hey, Things are happening in Albany, New York. If you want to get a game in, this is where you post. Someone's going to answer if you say what's going on on Wednesday, right? Making sure that the community knows this stuff is happening, even if they're not there at the store watching, right? I think that I actually think that that is that is a key to sustaining a scene and to growing a scene is to let people know that you exist, and that is one of the easiest things I've seen. I mean, Rob will do this to me all the time. Someone gets on Fanatics and go, yo, I just moved out to um, Utica, New York, and I'm looking for a game. And he's like, boom, paging Mike Rossi and Corey Reynolds, right? And we're like, okay, cool. This is your closest game story. This is where things are going. We had this thing going on on this day. Swing on out if you can. I think that that is, that is important for community building too, to show that there's actually a, there's a gravity at the location where you're at, right? I think that's important. But those are the two things that I think have helped us a lot. I never really thought about it, but our, our store, War Room Hobbies in, in Cordova, outside of Memphis, Tennessee, uh, they have a Discord. We use the hell out of that Discord. Hey, for Wednesday nights is our Kings of War night, but Saturdays, we all have life commitments. We'll post on there, hey, I'm going to be there X amount of time. And we can kind of know going before we get there on Saturday, we know who's going to be there. And we can already be arranging games and stuff. So, you know, if your store has a Discord, awesome. If they don't, get them one, right? Like it's free. Uh, and then obviously we sort of our job as community leaders is to take pictures of those sweet, sweet games with those sweet, sweet painted models and post them all over everything. So our store has a, a Facebook page and I'm like, Kings of war coming at you. Boom. Here's a bunch of pictures. You know, if you got the guy with unpainted miles, maybe, maybe, you know, you limit what pictures of his army, you know, if you got the sweet, sweet looking army, you know, we got Billy, Billy Smith and we got Dan Kamek. We got some sweet looking armies in our area. Yeah, they're, they're going to be front and center. People are like, oh, I, I want to play with that guy against that army because that looks awesome. Most of the time when you're playing Kings of War, you got a smile on your face, right? So make sure you, you know, sell them, right? If you happen to catch an angry uh, 40K player in the background, all the better. But, uh, you know. The smoke out their ears. Right, right, right. <laughs> we are going to do a whole episode about online community as well because we've been talking about the local community, right? But it's part and parcel. Like you, you can't have one without the other, you know, and Mike, you bring a very good point. If, if you're not leveraging that online community, what are you doing? Right. There's a million people that may not even know his store exists or he exists, Right. but they like Kings of War. And they're like, boop, boop, boop. oh, look at this. Kings of War fanatics. Hey, anybody playing in dot, dot, dot. Yep. I'm sure up in, up in your area because Brandon, you're so far spread apart. A lot of your communication is not happening face to face. I I would assume, right? You're, yeah, not, right? you're not driving over for two hours to have a conversation, right? So you know you're gonna you're gonna use those those tools that are available. We 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 could we could literally talk about this for an hour. One last point that we've kind of already made. That I just want to reinforce in the North American scene, it's important that you make a partner out of your friendly local gaming store. We talked about all the things we can do. In some ways, you are advocating a game. You're helping them sell product. 
You're also engaging their their customers. All the stuff that you can do, and, and if you can get them to event, you know, start by having them pre-order stuff for you. Spend money. That's a really good way to catch their attention, right? You want table space? Spend some money. They, they'll, you know, at some point they're going to go, yeah, okay, this is cool. Because ultimately, every friendly gaming store that's going to survive is run like a business. <laughs> they're not in it for charity. They're not in it to run a, a game club. Right. Not the ones that are going to stay in business long term. Right. They're going to do what sells. And if they have customers that are playing this game and are in there, they're going to do what they net. They may not be able to stock all the models. Why would you? Like, I think my store is a classic example. It's a challenge. There is a lot of SKUs for Mantic. A lot. A lot. And can you stock them all? Yeah, but it's it's a pretty penny to do that. So you stock the important stuff. You stock the starters. You stock the books. You know, you know and you stock, oh, maybe right now it'd be a good thing to have greater air elementals, right? That That's probably a good unit to have in spades because they're pretty popular right now. As your community develops, they'll stock more and more and you become, you know, point is they're, they're there to help you. You're helping them, but they're there to help you because at the end of the day, I, I, I don't want to go back to the days of trying to build in a, in a clubhouse. It doesn't, it, well, it, it can work, but it didn't work for me, right? It was very difficult to really build a scene. You know, Brandon, you said you, you're, a lot of the guys in your scene are like ex Warhammer, ex players you've already played with. That's exactly what happened here. It was the people we were already playing with. We just picked a different different game. We weren't getting a lot of new blood, but by playing in public with painted models consistently, at the end of the day, it's not about converting the faithful. They're already here. It's about finding the new disciples. They haven't seen the light. A lot more to talk about on this, guys. Uh, this is the second episode in a series. Uh, we've got one with Pathfinders coming up. we got one about online communities. Uh, we got one with Mantic, one with Florida Liquid Gaming Stores. There's a lot of stakeholders here, and I think every stakeholder has a different take on, you know, what part do they play and how can they best do that? As a final th- shout out, let, maybe let's 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 give our shout out to our store. So my store is War Room Hobbies. It's in Cordova, which is outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Mike Horner owns the store. He's amazing. He literally did stock the entire line of Kings of War. It is amazing, right? Like knowing that. I can go in there and, oh, I need a box of tyrants. He'll have a box of tyrants for me. He's a great partner. And he's got lots of table space, which is why I'm able to hold. Uh, we're on our third Kings of Memphis. You know, he's got, I don't know, 18 tables. I can have up to 36 in the store. All that being said, he's a great partner, but I also want to give back, right? I want to, I am trying to push people to make sure they're, like I said, buy models, spend money in the store. That's He doesn't charge a table fee. He has memberships and things you can do. And he's got a great discount. Mike, how about your store? It's uh, the local gaming store is Zombie Planet. That's an awesome name, Zombie Planet. Kind of goes with a shambling horde. It does. Yeah, we we did that on purpose. And then uh, the the event space, actually, the event space is a different name called the Fortress of Gaming. But the guy who owns it, his name is George Vasilakos. He is he's fantastic. Him and his sons run that place, and they just give back to the community so much. They they rule. They're they're fantastic. And I, you know, I would like to say partners, but really, that's we we owe a lot. I, we grew the scene with it with with when he was when he was open and available. When he had to change the store around, the scene withered. When he came back strong, all of a sudden we're booming again. It's just he, you know, it rises and falls with that store the way it works. Well, it's a team effort, absolutely. The, yeah. We go up and down, you know, together. Yep. Deb, same to you. What about your local store? Uh, shout out to Atomic Games and Muncie. Uh, ran by Slade Smith, and it's family operated, actually. Uh, his wife helps out, and his uh, daughters, when they're not in college, are helping out as well. So it's it's a really wholesome environment, we'll say. 
also big shout out to him for you know putting the kings of war and firefight stuff you have to walk you know when your people are walking to the 40k stuff they have to walk by the kings of war stuff first so. <laughs> it's good marketing good marketing yes it's great well, you, you start off with like the stuff that's like oh that's only 40 dollars, and then they get to the the 120 dollar boxes are in the back had some guy walk come into the store the other day and his wife who doesn't know much about our games hey can you come help me real quick so we went up to the front and the guy was like looking at the 40 40k stuff and going this is expensive. Like looking at the two player starters, like, Oh, this is $200. We're like, well, here's a Kings of war box. That's, you know, 120. <laughs> it, it was great. So Brandon, same question. Yeah. So our store is industrial park games and Jay and Rob run it. I think it's kind of like their side business. Actually. I think they just do it for fun. I don't think it's like a, a main thing. I know the name wow. is not super creative, but it's because it's literally run in the industrial park of Edmonton, and it's like, <laughs> in like hey man, it's on the nose, small warehouse kind of thing. It's actually awesome. It's it's very well laid out. They got a ton of board games. They got a ton of uh, different hobby stuff, different games for miniatures. Obviously, forty k is a big one, but they've actually they're actually less known for forty k. They're more known for kind of those specialist games like Game of Thrones or a Song of Ice and Fire, or whatever it's called. BattleTech is a big one for them, and so they're they're awesome. They don't charge for table space, and they don't even say you know you have to buy something from us kind of idea. But that is always communicated that it's like guys, if we want to have a space to play, we have to make sure that we are supporting them, and I'd much rather support them than order from somebody online. Because they are giving us that public space. They run, they let us do tournaments. They give us great deals on things. And even if you're not buying miniatures because you're like, oh, I've got an army. I'm sure that you have to buy glue or brushes or paint. Or you'll say, oh, I really like the look of this board game. So they're really, really good for that kind of stuff. And I I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to gush. I mean, I can't be happier to have, have them. I've, I've gone through a number of different gaming stores, right? And, you know, things, it, get, us gamers are fickle. So are gaming stores. I've found that it's like, well, your game's not particularly selling. So we're not really going to stock. And it's like, well, you're, the game's not selling because your stock is kind of oddy. Like, we'll help you and say, you know, you need three of these things rather than two or one. You don't need 25 of these things. You need one or two. So it's one of those things as well where they've been really good in that respect that they're bringing in stuff, even though we're not, we're, it's, it's not like the full line, but they're more than willing to order stuff for us. And they've been very cooperative in that respect. So. Yeah. Something you said, Dev, that made me think about one of my favorite things in the world is when you see someone looking at models and they're looking at Kings of war and you get to go, you can give them that little sales pitch. You're like, well, let me tell you about Kings of war. This is why the game is great. And then, and then you're able to sell on, the models are still, they look awesome. They're not going to break the bank. You're still going to get that same hobby buzz that you're going to get from any other thing. The, the company's cool. They would rather have you play their game with somebody else's models if it means you playing their game. Not many gaming companies right. are, are, are going to say that publicly. No, it's it's completely rare and, and pretty awesome. Like mainstream that does that. You know, there's the side ones that do, the, you know, the STLs and stuff like that online. And I will say with Firefight, there is a concerted effort. They're they're making everything for Firefight. So on, that's a different animal, right? We make all the stuff, use our stuff. But, you know, the, the Kings of War thing is a little bit different, right? They don't make all the models for all the armies they make, you know. Uh, and, it, and as much as we've yelled about it, there's no signs of any consolidation or army elimination, right? Like, you know, we've jokingly said, oh, man, 27 armies, so many. They're making it work. So let's just keep it rolling. So, uh, guys, I really appreciate the time. 
coming on and uh, picking your brains. You guys are a couple of great community leaders, you know, and obviously we got the Canadian uh, perspective and the, uh, the Midwestern perspective. We got the Northeast perspective from Mike and, you know, obviously I guess, I guess I'm the Mid-South perspective. Appreciate it. Anybody got any final comments or announcements that we missed? Well, I have a question. What event can I go to where I can see the three of you all there and I can be in attendance and we can continue this conversation in person over a few wobbly bombs. I was going to say Adepticon because I know Deb's going to go, but I don't think Mike's going to be Adepticon. So what I would say is probably the U.S. Masters slash best of the rest. Yeah. In Omaha, Nebraska in July, rough polling numbers. It's going to be big, guys. It's going to be big. We're going to have the 64 players from the Invitational and you'll probably have more than that well, I think you'll have significantly more than that for the uh, the best of the rest. And Dev, you're not far from Omaha. What are you like ten out, like eight, eight, nine hours? I, I mean, we're in the Midwest. You know, everything's just a car ride around. You know, <laughs> it's uh, I think it's about sixteen hours for me from Memphis there. So we'll get back to you to confirm that, Brandon. But I think that's probably your best shot. And we can hook you up with all the other. You know, obviously the the guys in Vancouver may be there. The guys in the Pacific Northwest will be there. The guys from California, Idaho. You know, and so, yeah, we're certainly making a big push for two things this year. Get out to those that can make Adepticon. Let's do it. Right. One of the things that that's a concern with Adepticon is it is becoming a GW show again. And it would be nice you know, for, for, for the games that are not GW to show them that, hey, man, we still need the space and we are still here. Right. Uh, and then and obviously the Masters is, is a great time. Well, if it makes Devlin feel any better, he's saying, oh, we're an eight and eight or nine hour car ride away. We actually were talking because the Pacific Northwest includes Vancouver and Victoria in that area. We were trying to see if we could join in like the mountain region or something like that. We're actually too far away from everywhere in the States to be part of any of the actual region. And Brandon, the mountain region is hosting the Masters this year. So you want to be part of the mountain region? You know what? We will put you in a room with Adam and you can make your case. Oh, I just, I, like I said, I just want to be able to actually qualify for a Masters. I, or at least I shouldn't. Okay. Let me rephrase that. I want to have the prospect of qualifying. Doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to. I, I got a shout out to Brian Novak and go, woo, go Rebs. <laughs> well, that's going to do us tonight. Until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 